Go ahead. Make my day. You'll regret this. There were a lot of details that never came out. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking about old wives' tales and home remedies. Now we all know what old wives' tales are, and that's not a pejorative statement, by the way. That's not a pejorative phrase. Old wives' tales have been around since the 1600s. They're stories that are told that are supposedly superstitious, supposedly true, but they're more like urban legends that are passed down from generation to generation, and it's usually like your grandma who tells you that, or your great aunt, or the neighbor lady across the street who's anywhere between 50 and 200 years old, who tells you these things that happened, or that you should be careful about, or that you should worry about. That's what an old wives' tale is. Now, when I was growing up, the old wives' tales were always used to pass on information of some kind. Whether it was good or not, whether it was accurate or not, didn't matter. But the old wives' tales were important to know. These were important facts, important things that we had to worry about, whether they were true or not. And as it turns out, a lot of the times the old wives' tales are not true. But they're based on fear or ways to get kids to not do things that they want to do, like eat chocolate. We'll get to that in a second. But then going hand in hand with those are the home remedies, the things that you can do at home or use at home that make you feel better, make your life better, make things easier without having to spend money for an expensive product or going to the doctor. And if you've listened to past episodes of the podcast, you know that I didn't go to doctors as a kid because I was raised a Christian scientist. You can find that episode if you want to listen to that whole thing. But yeah, we didn't do doctors when I was a kid. So we had a lot of home remedies. (laughs) We needed them. We needed them because that's all we had. Well, that and prayer. But when you're a little kid, sometimes eating something or drinking something gives you just enough of a psychological boost. It helps the healing process when it feels like you're doing something to make the healing process work. So we're going to get to the home remedies at the end of the episode. What we're going to talk about first is those tales that we grew up with. Now, you may not have these tales, or maybe you do. It depends on how old you are, it depends on how old your parents are, and it depends on what your parents are passing down to you. Because these were the things that our parents told us. Well, at least my parents told me. And for years, I believed them. I was a very gullible child. I believed everything. And especially if it came from mom and dad. So the first old wives' tale is the sitting too close to the television tale. I grew up with this one. Don't sit too close to the TV set or you'll go blind. Mom didn't want us going blind by sitting too close to the TV. It'll ruin your eyes. And we actually got into arguments about how close we could sit. Mom, I can't see the TV. And in actual fact, I couldn't see the TV. It turns out I needed glasses, but nobody knew that at the time. That's why I was sitting so close. I was young and I was sitting right on top of the TV and mom would say, Don't sit so close to the TV. In fourth grade, I got my first pair of glasses. Before that, I was on top of the TV. I didn't hear that after I got glasses. I didn't hear the don't sit too close to the TV sermon anymore after that. But before I got the glasses, oh my God, my mom would come out with a yardstick and measure how close we could sit to the TV. We had to be six feet away from the TV set. Now, don't forget, when I was growing up, the biggest TV sets we had were about 25-inch screens. Think about that for a second. Sitting six feet away from a 25-inch screen, you don't see a lot. Especially, as in my case, I couldn't actually see. (laughs) So it was a struggle when I was growing up. But yeah, she would mark off how far away we could sit from the TV set because I don't want you to go blind. 
sit further away, sit back. So that was the number one old wives tale. Don't sit too close to the TV set. Another one we had was don't crack your knuckles because it'll give you arthritis. Stop that. That's why to this day, I don't crack my knuckles. It scares me to crack my knuckles. I'm afraid my fingers will fall off and I'll never be able to make a fist again because my mom is so deeply in my head. And people who crack their knuckles, it makes me crazy. Stop that. You're going to ruin your fingers. That's how much my mom is in my head with that one. Don't crack your knuckles because you'll give yourself arthritis. It turns out medical science says it's not true, but boy, oh boy, it's true in my head. We also had the eating carrots one. Do you know the eating carrots one? Eat your carrots. It'll improve your eyesight. Didn't work for me. I needed glasses when I was in the fourth grade. I ate every stinking carrot there was. Still needed glasses. But yeah, we had that one too. Eat your carrots. I think it was just a way to get us to eat our vegetables. But yeah, carrots gave you better eyesight. Yeah, I grew up with that one too. Now, some of these tales that I grew up with didn't come from my mom. They came from the kids in the neighborhood or kids at school. Because, you know, you pass these things around when you're growing up. So the spilling the salt one brings you bad luck. That wasn't my mom. My mom didn't believe in bad luck. She didn't believe in superstitions. She had her things that she believed in that were weird, don't get me wrong. But spilling the salt brings bad luck wasn't one of them. But I picked that up somewhere along the line. I think it was Vinny across the street whose mom didn't want us to spill salt. And if we did spill salt, we had to pick it up and throw it over our left shoulder. And I learned that's because the devil hangs out over your left shoulder. And if you throw salt over your left shoulder, you hit him in the face and it screws him up, distracts him, keeps him away from you. I don't remember where I heard that, but that's what it's all about. That's why when you spill salt, it's bad luck. But if you throw it over your left shoulder, you scare the devil away. So you don't have bad luck. There's also the eat an apple a day, keep the doctor away. That one. One of the moms in the neighborhood, and I can't remember which one, but she always gave us apples. Apples, apples, apples. Apples were good for you. And there's no denying that apples are good for you. But an apple a day keeping the doctor away is a great rhyme, not necessarily a great health plan. We also had the chicken soup one. If you eat chicken soup, it cures the cold. How many kids had that one? Now, chicken soup is really good when you have a cold. If you have a sore throat, it tastes really good. It soothes your throat as you eat chicken soup. And yeah, the steam off the chicken soup, it helps clear you out. But as for actually curing the cold, apparently that's not true. Who knew? But oh, chicken soup, that was a big thing when you had a cold. And what about spicy foods? Did you hear the one spicy foods cause ulcers? Oh yeah. When I started eating the spicy foods, spicy chili, hot peppers, hot salsa, my mom was really worried. She thought I was going to ruin my stomach, but it was so good. And as it turns out, spicy foods don't actually cause ulcers. They might aggravate an ulcer if you have one, but it's not going to cause it. But oh yeah, that was common knowledge when I was growing up. Spicy foods, too much spice, that'll cause an ulcer. You know, we had a lot of these tales that involved food. The spicy foods, the chicken soup, the apple a day. A lot of stuff with digestive problems. And here's the one that always worried me. This one I picked up in school. It wasn't my mom who told me this, but this one was in school. And I think it's still in the schools. If you swallow your chewing gum, it'll take seven years to digest, and it'll be stuck in your stomach for seven years. Something about seven, but it was always in you for seven years. And so the first time that I swallowed gum, I was so scared. I thought I was going to screw up my stomach. Oh my God, I've got gum in my stomach. Oh no. And then I swallowed a second piece, and I figured they'd all bunch together, and I'd have a really big pile of gum in my stomach for seven years. Oh yeah, I wasn't the brightest child. These are the things that I worried about. So I would make it a point not to swallow gum. Spit it out, get rid of it, throw it in the garbage. But if I'm running around outside and accidentally swallow a piece, oh, I would freak out. Oh, no, 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 no. My poor stomach. Then, of course, it would get in my head. I'm going to die. 
I've got too much gum in my system. Yeah, I worried about stuff like that. What are the other ones that we had? We had we had a lot of eating ones. We had a lot of food-related ones. We had a lot of stomach-related ones. The other food one, of course, eating chocolate gives you acne. I think we all get some kind of acne, either mild or severe as we're growing up, and I don't think chocolate has anything to do with it. But yeah, this wasn't my mom, but this was in school. Don't eat chocolate. Don't eat chocolate. It'll make your skin a mess. I can't tell you how many kids believed that and how many kids avoided the luscious goodness of chocolate because they didn't want to mess up their skin. Turns out that's not medically true either. But boy, that's one of the tales we grew up with. Now, how many of you heard this one growing up? Don't cross your eyes or they'll get stuck that way. I don't know why moms said that. My mom said it. Other moms in the neighborhood said it. Teachers said it. Every adult said it. Don't cross your eyes or they'll get stuck that way. I think it's because people crossing their eyes freak people out. I think that's got to be the basis for that because it's a muscle. You cross your eyes using your muscles. It's like if you flex your arm and say, don't flex your arm or it's going to get stuck that way. Your muscles don't work that way. But boy, that was one of the tales we heard. Don't cross your eyes. The cross your eyes one had a life of its own because that was not just parents. That was friends. That was the school system. That was everybody who saw you cross your eyes would warn you not to do that because they would get stuck. And yeah, I believed it. Next on our list is the don't go swimming after you eat. Oh, again, I thought that I was going to die if I even put a toe in the pool less than 30 minutes after I ate. You had to wait 30 minutes. And in my mind, that meant if if I put my foot in the pool, I'm going to fall in and drown because I'm just too heavy from the food. I'll get a cramp and not be able to swim. I'll no longer have the ability to tread water. Yeah, that's what my little kid mind did to me. Don't go swimming for 30 minutes after you eat. Okay, Mom, I'll just sit here by the pool and watch all the other kids have fun. But she said it and I listened. I mean, it turns out you can actually get a cramp, just like any other exercise, playing basketball, going for a run. Any time where you exert yourself after you have a full stomach, yeah, you can cramp up. But you're not going to die in the pool if you go swimming 27 minutes after you eat. Now, we also had things that warned us about animals and insects. Bees were attracted to the color yellow. It's not scientifically true, but when we were growing up, don't wear a yellow shirt. The bees are attracted to it. They'll come sting you. Oh, yeah, yellow is bad. If you wanted to stay away from the bees, don't wear yellow. And bulls hated the color red. So if you're going to go near a farm, don't wear a red shirt or red pants. And why did we believe that? Well, because in all of the cartoons and all the TV shows that we ever watched, if you ever see a bullfight, the matador has a red cape and he's waving the red cape at the bull. We didn't realize it was the waving of the cape that annoyed the bull. We thought that it was the red. It was the motion he was attracted to, not the color. But as kids, we were told and we believed that the bulls hated red. So we avoided red any time we were near a farm, which where I grew up was pretty much every day. Now, also growing up, we were always worried about healthy things or things that would affect our health. So we couldn't go outside with a wet head. We couldn't go outside without a coat because that would cause a cold. Put a coat on. You're going to catch your death of cold. Dry your hair before you go outside. Oh, yeah. Those were the things mom worried about. If your head was wet and you went outside, oh, no, you were going to catch your death of cold. And yeah, coats, mandatory. Mandatory for any temperature under 50 degrees. Now that I'm older, I pretty much wear a coat or at least a sweater any temperature under 50 degrees. But when I was 10, 50 degrees was balmy. I'd be in shorts and a t-shirt if I could be. But oh no, we had to have coats and we had to dry our hair. And this is another one of my mother's. We were supposed to wash our hair and then dry it, of course. But when we washed our hair, we had to wash it until you could hear it squeak. 
Now, I don't know if you ever heard this one, but when you scrub your hair really, really clean, according to my mother, you would hear it squeak when you rubbed the hair together. This is back when I had hair. Nowadays, my head squeaks just by touching it, but that's a whole other story. But when I was a kid, you had to wash your hair until it was squeaky clean. And then we had to dry it until it was bone dry before we could go outside. There was a great obsession with head care when I was a kid. So those are the basic things. Those are the things that I remember that were the warnings and the things not to do when I was a kid. But in addition to those, there was a whole host of home remedies that we used because we didn't do doctors or because they were cheaper or both. Now, I know a lot of kids my age and in generations that followed me, everybody grew up with VapoRub. And VapoRub has been a cure-all for so many people that I know in my life. But we never had VapoRub. Knowing my dad, it's probably because he couldn't stand the smell of all that menthol in the house. My dad was super sensitive to smells and to sounds. So I am sure the VapoRub drove him crazy. But the things that VapoRub does, clear out your sinuses, clear out your chest, break up the mucus, my mom had her own remedies for that. The biggest one that I remember was this steamer device that she had. And I don't even remember what it's called. And I couldn't find a picture of it and I couldn't find the name of it because it's very hard to describe what it is. And while you can Google a lot of things, when you type in mom's steamer device, it doesn't really come up with what I'm looking for. But what I'm going to do is try to describe the device for you. Imagine, if you will, a megaphone. One of those plastic megaphones that the circus barkers use to call people over to the sideshow. It's a giant cone made of heavy-duty plastic, and it helps project your voice. So the device looked like that. So picture your cone, stand it on the narrow end. On the bottom of the narrow end, put a screen. And then mount that screened megaphone on top of a little hot plate. Onto that hot plate, you would pour water and create steam coming out of the megaphone. Now, the device was like the megaphone, except at the very top, where the steam would come out, they had cut a groove, and then you would be able to put your chin on the groove, put your face in the steam, and breathe in the steam. Now, I don't know what this device was actually used for, but Mom used it for us when we were kids to help clear out our lungs, break up the mucus, and relieve the coughs. And damned if it didn't work. Now, we couldn't keep our faces in the steam for too long, probably because we'd burn our skin off if we did. But mom had a very strict timer on it. We could do five minutes of breathing in steam. And it would be, breathe in, breathe out. And we had to take deep breaths of the steam to help clear out our system. And it worked. The other thing that worked is if we had coughs and we couldn't get to sleep, Mom had developed this way to prop us up in bed on pillows so that we could fall asleep in a sitting up position because the sitting up helped alleviate the cough. I don't know why, but it worked. I'm not a doctor. I don't understand the medical science on why you cough more when you're lying down, but we did. And so mom would prop us up and have us sleep in a sitting position. The other thing we used for coughs and congestion and sore throats, honey. Lots and lots of honey. A spoonful of honey would alleviate the cough and you'd be able to go to sleep. It would soothe the throat and for whatever reason would reduce the cough reflex. So we had jars and jars of honey throughout the house. The other thing my mom used as a miracle cure for everything, Listerine. Now I told the tale where she used Listerine to wash my mouth out when I would use foul language, but Listerine cleaned everything out. She would use it to clean wounds. She would use it as an antiseptic. You have a cut, pour Listerine on it. And 
gargle with Listerine. It would help your throat and it would kill the germs in your mouth and in your throat and help reduce colds, according to mom. And so we used a lot of Listerine when I was growing up. Now, I learned in later years, after I got out of the house, that gargling salt water was the functional equivalent of Listerine. It had the same miracle properties as gargling with Listerine. And actually, I still use salt water. It does wonders with sore throats. Don't know why. But if you have a sore throat and you don't have honey around, take some Morton salt, put it in a glass, gargle with warm salt water. That stuff works. Another thing I learned about years after I got out of the house was cranberry juice. Now, women are going to know this cure. Cranberry juice is the miracle juice for urinary tract infections. I learned that from every woman I've ever dated. Mrs. Gamer Dude swears by it. Cranberry juice is the perfect remedy. I don't know why, but it works. Now, this one's a little more obscure. Have you ever heard of powdered alum? Powdered alum was my mother's cure for cold sores. We would get those cold sores inside your mouth. You know, that little bump there and you'd bite down on it and make it even worse. But they were painful and they just hurt and it was just, it made you miserable to have a cold sore in your mouth or on your lip. It was just annoying and disgusting and ugly to look at. Mom's cure was take a pinch of powdered alum. And I don't know where she got this, but you would take the alum and just apply it directly to the cold sore in your mouth. Now, what the alum did was make you salivate, which is kind of disgusting. So we had to take the alum and then stand over the bathroom sink and let the alum do its work. And as I understand it, alum draws the moisture out of, well, the cold sore and your mouth. So you're standing there and you're salivating and you're spitting into the sink as all of the saliva draws to the alum and you just keep spitting into the sink. But what the alum is supposedly doing is drying out the cold sore. You can still find alum listed as a cure for cold sores, but there's all kinds of warnings associated with the use of alum and the internal intake of alum. So I'm not sure how actually safe this remedy is. It was effective because within two days the cold sore was gone. But it was such a disgusting remedy because you're standing over the sink salivating like a rabid dog. It was horrible. And it tasted miserable. But boy, it worked. No more cold sore. Then there was the mosquito bite remedy. Now, we used to have meat tenderizer in our, in our spice cabinet, and there was a company called Adolph's. Adolph's meat tenderizer was the big one that I grew up with. And we had meat tenderizer in the cabinet, not so much to tenderize meat, which it actually does a good job of doing. If you've never used it, it actually works. But we used it to make a paste with water and then apply meat tenderizer paste to mosquito bites. And for whatever reason, that would stop them from itching. Because the last thing we wanted to do was scratch the crap out of our mosquito bites because that would make mom crazy. So she gave us this paste of meat tenderizer and water and we'd smear it on the mosquito bite and it would stop itching and we'd stop scratching. Again, I don't know why it works. I just know that it works. The other thing mom had cures for when we were growing up was the stomach ache. We always had stomach aches. Whether it was real or imagined, we always had stomach aches. Sometimes I would have a stomach ache because I didn't want to go to school that day. Sometimes I had a stomach ache because I got into a fight at school that day. Sometimes I had a stomach ache because I was just miserable. But whatever the reason, mom had a cure. Mom's cure for stomach ache was dry white bread. Just have a slice of dry white bread. You'll feel better. That was mom's stomach ache cure. Graham crackers could work too, but the dry white bread was the home run. And we always had dry white bread in the house. This is long before wheat bread was the way of the world. Dry white bread, never wonder because we couldn't afford the fancy brand names. We would have the ShopRite brand of dry white bread, but it doesn't matter what brand. As long as it was dry white bread, your stomach would be fine. 
whether it was or not, mom decreed that it was fine and you'd be off to school or whatever you were supposed to do. But if for some reason the dry white bread didn't work, ginger ale was the cure that would fix what dry white bread could not. And if it was a really bad stomach, it would be ginger ale and dry white bread. Combine the two, you'd be on your feet in no time. Now, years later, I learned that other families used Flat 7-Up as a substitute for ginger ale. That works, too. I've actually used Flat 7-Up when I've actually had a stomach ache. That really works wonders. It settles your stomach for whatever reason. So, yeah, if you don't have ginger ale, go with the 7-Up. And actually, to this day, they still work for me. I don't mention these because they don't work. I mention them because they do. To this day, dry white bread, or in my case, graham crackers, or saltines, they're bland enough and mellow enough, whatever's bothering my stomach, nine times out of ten, they'll work. Now, how about your hiccup remedies? Did you have those? Everybody's got one, right? Ours was this. Take a glass of water, drink three sips of water, then spin around three times with your eyes closed, and then finish drinking the glass of water all without taking a breath. If you do that, your hiccups are gone. Now, I don't know why we had to do all the theatrics, the three sips of water, the three spins around. I don't know why that was part of the ritual, because I've discovered as a grown-up, if I just hold my breath and drink a full glass of water, that will cure my hiccups. It's something about getting your diaphragm back into line with your swallowing mechanism. I don't know the medical terms. I just know that you have to line everything up so everything works the way it's supposed to. But when I was growing up, we had to perform the ritual. Three sips... Three spins, drink the glass of water. And who knows why, but it worked every time. So there you have our old wives' tales, and there you have our home remedies. But I do have to leave you with one more. One more home remedy that does work, and I'm giving you this with a warning, it really works. Just be forewarned if you are going to use this home remedy. When we were growing up, if we were constipated, the remedy was a prune. One prune. Don't take two. Unless you really want to clean yourself out, don't take two. A prune will work. Simply stated, if you have to poop, take a prune. A small glass of prune juice will work, but the best remedy, one prune. And by the way, prune is a horrible name. That's why people don't like them. I'm convinced that people don't like prunes because they're called prunes. Do you know what a prune is? It's a dried plum. That's all it is. Do you like plums? I happen to love plums. A prune is just a dried plum. That's why, if you do a little looking into this, you'll find they're not called prunes anymore. They're called dried plums. Because the plum growers of California, or whoever their lobby is, advocated for a change of name because people hated the name prune. This is a true story. You can look it up. But they'll always be prunes to me, and they'll always be the sure cure for constipation. You'll sleep better now knowing that, won't you? That's going to do it for this week's episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for listening to my stories. Try out some of the home remedies. Let me know what you think. And until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.